Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of AT Talks. This is Tom out of breath. Just did a little bit of running. Locked myself out of my office. Had to get the keys for my athletic director. All right, what is this topic five, undervalued skills, episode four-ish. And we have Ed back and Natasha back. They've both been here before. If you could quickly introduce yourself to the world and then we'll jump into the topic, I would appreciate it. Natasha, I'll let you go first. Oh, thanks. Um, Natasha here. I work in the educational setting. I um, Right now I create materials, instructional design for a healthcare company, so on medical conditions, anatomy, physiology, and I also teach intro to athletic training classes at the local community college. Um, and that's me passing it over to Ed. Um, yeah, I'm Ed, um, multiple time guest. I, I love doing these things, so I'm always looking to come back. I was disappointed last week when I thought I wouldn't be able to, but um, I live and work up in Vermont at Castleton State, small Division three school uh, in Vermont. Um, been there for eight years, and this is my 10th year certified. All right, today's topic, coronavirus. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Under, <laughs> undervalued skills. What do we think is an undervalued skill that either the two of you have or do you think something in general is just undervalued to the whole profession? I'll defer to you, Natasha. All right. Um, well, I'll start with, and I, I feel like I um, – on the previous posts, I heard this because I did listen to them while I was working. Um, but I'm gonna go with Thank like, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna go with interpersonal skills and um, you know, obviously the things that you all have been posting throughout this National Athletic Training Month. Um, but just being able to not only at least from my experience, not only get along with the other staff, so other, you know, other athletic trainers, if they're there, or your ADs, principals, um, athletic directors, whoever it may be, but also the athletes. Um, I know my experience, and I'm actually wearing my ASU um, sweater, not on purpose, but um, when I worked at ASU, I did have a couple of, I worked with the water polo team, and I had a couple of um, student athletes that, um, you know, they were having a lot of fun, they got pregnant, and they felt comfortable with, you know, coming to me and having me take them to the clinic and, you know, get some procedures done and whatever else. And I feel like if we don't have those connections, or if we don't have those relationships, they won't even be able to tell you and then you're wondering like why can't they get in the water or why can't they do whatever they need to do um, but that's just you know very uh I guess exaggerated <laughs> um example but you know just having that skill of connecting to multiple people and being able to serve in multiple purposes even though our role is you know first aid prevention rehabilitation whatever else so do you also feel that's an undervalued skill, Ed? I mean, I've been thinking about it because I, I listened to it as well. And everyone brought up the interpersonal skills of communication. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that I feel like everyone, I don't think it's undervalued. I think everyone respects the value that it has. But the, the angle I'm trying to think of is the willingness to work on it. And I almost, I almost think that's the skill that's undervalued. Um, just because I, I try and communicate 
very well with all my teams, all my coaches, all my coworkers. There's a lot of people. And sometimes the way I like to communicate, others don't. So I think it's one of those, how do I improve how I communicate? How, and with better communication, get those interpersonal skills. So I think everyone respects those skills and understands the importance that they have, but wanting to work and improve it, I think is the actual skill that, um, in my, in my mind that I think everyone's talking about. So, so just, just to propose a question, um, because yes, that has been a very familiar and common theme is the interpersonal stuff. Why do you think a lot of other athletic trainers either a think that's undervalued or B think that we don't do a good enough job at it? Are we, are we really not connecting to those around us or is that just how we perceive things? I think that's how we perceive things because our whole education is learn the hard skills, <laughs> take care of the athletes. And it's just one of those things like you're going to have to work with others. It's just going to be something you do, but it's not taught in a traditional manner. Um, because I was trying to think, and I don't know if there's any courses because none of the schools I had had courses of like communication um, I never had any courses that dealt with conflict resolution. Um, and I'm starting to hear of more people or students taking classes along those lines where that conflict resolution isn't the main part. But I actually was talking to a friend of mine who went to grad school for sport management, uh, do MBA, and he learned a lot of resort uh, or conflict management stuff, which we don't really kind of I, like I was not exposed to any of that. So when those situations pop up, I'm kind of <laughs> like left on my own to figure things out and trying to navigate on my own. So. Yeah. And I, I like that angle and that perspective. I think that's important um, to consider and to, because I, I do feel um not that we're not, I think we are good at the interpersonal skills. I think, um, I think what we can work on is how, like you were saying with the conflict resolution and everything, how to go about by both, um, making those interpersonal skills like fun and, um, you know, friendly, but at the same time professional in all of the different routes. So I do think that that's important to explore and make sure that all of us are, continuing that education, um, you know, and going out there. I know that for me in my intro to athletic training classes, and it's, I mean, I get to see these kids once, maybe twice, if they end up taking my advanced um, class. <laughs> if not, like, you know, they just move on to whatever else they do because it's community college. Um, but I know I try to integrate that into our assignments, like same thing with cultural concepts and things like that. So I have an assignment, which is all encompassing, like they get an injury, they have to evaluate that injury, they have to, um, you know, create a plan for that injury, they have to even decide like the cultural basis of it, they have to decide what um, their athlete is or their patient is. Cause I do give them different, um, it could be like someone that comes into a physical therapy clinic or whatever. Um, but you know, 
is your patient um, African-American? Are they a male? Are they a female? What religion are they? So I give them those options. Um, and I learned to word that better because the first time that I worded it, um, I had all of my student groups. I didn't realize they were this smart, um, but I had all of them select <laughs> white male. And they're like, they're because they're a white male, they're not going to face any like problems in the world. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Um, but anyway, I think, you know, trying to integrate that into our education is super important. And I don't know that we do enough of it. And I feel like every year I change my lesson plans to make it better. So I think like listening to practitioners, to those of you in the field, like what your experiences are, it enhances at least what I do in my classroom, because I think that's important. And I never even thought of like, including something on conflict resolution into my class. It was more of like, you know, make sure you talk to this person, make sure you talk to that person, but how do you talk to them? So I appreciate you sharing that because I'm going to take that as a takeaway to include in my curriculum. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, I think the culture of competence, we don't think enough about and that there's uh, there's a million different ways to do your job well, but then we have to understand that everybody we treat or help is, different and coming from a different background and a different history. So you have to be willing to mold yourself to give the best care instead of just I'm A, I'm B, I'm C, and I do this for every single body. So I, I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Any other undervalued skills or if, Ed, if you wanted to add on Natasha's comment there? I have nothing more to add to that. Okay. <laughs> what about other skills? You got any other skills that undervalued in your opinion? <laughs> Like I don't know how I would how I would title the skill itself, but some me personally, what I'm really bad at is scheduling my day in terms of like triaging different injuries. Like I tried doing appointment based scheduling where the athletes sign up basically for rehabs where I wanted to work one on one with an athlete, and then I'd have all these students emailing me, "Oh, can I come in from this time to this time?" And all they're coming in for is foam rolling, stretching. It's like, you don't need me for that. So it was one of those, like trying to figure out when I can just be like, Hey, yeah, you don't need to sign up for a rehab appointment. You don't need my, my in undivided attention. Um, or like telling someone you can do that the hour before practice. And it's just as good as doing it six hours before practice. Um, to try and free up my day so I can work with those more um, intensive rehabs where it's either a post-surgical or someone's going to be out a couple weeks and I'm trying to get them back to playing status because it's one of those two that as soon as I finally have a good day where it's like, okay, I've had two really good individualized rehabs, the third one's coming in and now all of a sudden I have five athletes coming wanting my attention and it's nothing really urgent they don't need an eval they don't need um me to talk to coach about anything they just want attention and it's like okay you're sore you just lifted <laughs> you lifted yesterday you're sore not not the end of the world so trying to figure out how to kind of categorize athletes in terms of what I can do for them, what needs to be done to make my day more efficient and be a better practitioner for everyone that walks in the door. Yeah. 
I like that because I, I don't think when I was practicing, I don't think I ever thought about that. So I do think that's so important. And that's why I think it's undervalued because I never thought of it until like, it's just one of those, like, I just, everything came in all at once. It's like, okay, just treat everything. And now it's like, I mean, I want to devote four hours to rehab. I want to devote three and a half hours to pre-practice, practice, post-practice. And in all honesty, a lot of the four hours stuff where I want to be doing rehabs is stuff that could be done during pre-practice for in-season athletes. Right. And it's like, yes, I'm, and I'm starting an open door policy. If the door is open, you want a foam roll stretch, just do it. You don't need me. Right. And I, I think you just hit it on the nail. Uh, what is it? What is the saying? You hit the nail on the head. I think like maybe that communication with like the team, I don't know if you guys do like introductions um, every season or however that works. I know we did that at previous um, places that I've worked, um, but you know, kind of having like a triage plan and then um, introducing that plan during the meet and greets and not that I ever did that I'm just thinking about it now that you're saying it <laughs> no yeah we do introductions but like I said this is something that's like new on my radar okay. since paternity leave when it's like what can I do better it's like what do I yeah. hate about my day <laughs> like, what's the thing that bothers me the most of how I've handled the day right um, congrats on the baby how old's your baby sorry no, that's oh, mine is seven yeah mine should be seven. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was an interesting spring yeah oh my goodness crazy times um but to echo on that since i know our time is limited to echo on that i think another undervalued and i think i want to say undervalued by both like us as athletic trainers but also by other healthcare providers would be the evaluation process. Um, because I, I think at least in my past, I've been very thorough and very, you know, conscious of what I'm doing or what I would have to refer out or whatever else. And I know that um, sometimes we tend to pigeonhole ourselves and then other times we get pigeonholed into like oh you can't diagnose this or you can't figure this out because you're an athletic trainer by other healthcare providers so I think it's important to advocate in that sense that you know we pretty much take all the same classes and courses we learn very thorough evaluation methods um, so just building up on that and educating others and ourselves like that, Hey, we are capable of this. Um, and I know like, back to my ASU days, that was a long time ago. Um, but at ASU, we had a medical model. Um, so the athletic trainers reported into the, um, medical staff that we had, and we actually all shared a facility. So we had a physical therapist that was in the same area as athletic trainers. And then we had physicians that were just down the hall and our offices were in the same area as the physicians. And anytime, um, when we first started with uh, ASU, anytime we had an injury, we would have to present our evaluation to the physicians. And then after that, once they were like, okay, you're good, we trust you, then we kind of went on our own. And a lot of people didn't like that model. I enjoyed it because it gave me confidence in the fact that I was doing it well and um, 
that I was getting the same, you know, response or the same answer that the physician would get. Uh, so I, I just think the evaluation process is something that we all need to advocate for and make sure we know that it's, we have it, it's there, it's one of our great skills. And I think, uh, I'm not too sure how it is in the collegiate setting. I don't really have any experience in the collegiate setting, but in the secondary setting, uh, a lot of young or a lot of athletic trainers in general will feel that, hey, I don't have 45 minutes to do an A through Z eval, but what I do have is I have 10 minutes. And you know, in 10 minutes, you go through most of it, you kind of skip out the special test, do like one or two manual muscle tests, and kind of skip range of motion for the most part, unless you think there's a fracture or something. And you go, I think it's A, I think it's B, it's C. I'm not too sure which of the three it is, but they're all pretty similar rehabs. So let's start rehabbing. We'll do some basic stuff today. Let's see how functional you are. And then we'll see how you're doing tomorrow. And I think that's fine too. You know, if you yeah. have the time to do a full blown eval, do it. Yep. But I, no, I I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've like, gotten to the point where I speed through, <laughs> I take the history I'm doing. I just, depending like if they're limping or anything noticeable, I, I will take a range of motion, but if everything's normal, like I'll breeze through a range of motion while taking history. And then I go straight to special tests. Like, let's just rule out anything major. And then once I get past that, then it's like, okay, let's go back. Okay. Let's re let's revisit your symptoms and everything just because sometimes they change in that eval. Mm -hmm. so. They do. Yeah. And they'll, they'll tell you one thing at, three o'clock on you know Monday <laughs> and then they tell you 180 degrees different at three o'clock on Tuesday and you're like oh and the pain's in the back of the knee now okay yeah. sure why not uh, yeah, I get I get a I get a lot of the texts in the morning and then it's like by the time I see them that afternoon oh I'm good I'm 100 percent like then why did you text me at three in the morning yeah right. why'd, why'd you make it and seem like an, I get that all the time because I'm dealing with uh young kids Mm -hmm. to them it's an emergency and yeah it's really not but they'll be screaming for you you know just yelling and then you're like oh um it's a, it's a hamstring um we'll see how you are tomorrow but i don't think it's anything crazy like you didn't blow it off your leg it's just you're not used to running and it feels a little tight or something but they'll be screaming you know and you get up there <laughs> and it's never really anything big yeah well i think that's another undervalued skill i just thought of is not panicking <laughs> Yeah, when never everyone, rush. Everyone think, like it's so funny when people people act like um, I might have to cut this short because my mom just sent a mass text to the whole family, so I might get blown up here soon. But, anyways, like my thing is like when when I have athletes just screaming bloody murders, like okay, chill. And I think I I've seen a lot of young athletic trainers get frazzled in the moment. And I know you've talked about this before, Tom, but like, don't run. Running makes mistakes, causes mistakes, and everything. And I yeah. think that I think that's a very important lesson that is really hard to learn because as students, as students, you don't really have to worry about that because like, oh, there's someone else that can actually take care of the really bad stuff, and I'm here to like assist them if I need to. And you don't get it until all of a sudden you're thrown into it. So, yep. I mean, and I think that goes along with like getting to know your athletes too, which is originally um, the beginning of the conversation. But, um, you know, I, I started out, my first job was at a high school. And so I, I definitely get the time crunches and everything. Cause I think my evals 
got longer as I moved into the collegiate setting. Um, but yeah, the panicking, like, you know, you're, it's your first job, everything. I, I was one of those people. I'd be like, Oh my God, what's going on. And it was, you know, someone having a minor asthma, not an attack, but a asthma reaction and all they needed was their inhaler and they were a okay. But you know, at the beginning, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to do CPR. I'm going to have to call the ambulance. So yeah, no, I get it. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I think the most important thing about not panicking is that you're the medical provider and you set the tone. So if you're going to panic, the kid's going to panic. The teammates yep. are going to panic. The coach is going to panic. The crowd's going to panic. But if you're cool, calm, and collective, A, everyone else is going to, they're not going to panic as much as if you are. And B, that's going to allow you to render the best care possible because you're going to be focused on the situation. If you're panicking, that, that's when things go wrong. So like yep. when you rush, you make mistakes. And the only time I run is if I see it and I know, I know it's bad, you mm -hmm. know, um, like the only time I ran this year was football. I saw this kid land straight up on his neck and it was an oh shit moment. And I knew that he was messed up. So that was a yeah. four, four forty dead sprint. But oh all goodness. the other times they'll be like, run Tom. Be like, you're cramping. You tell me to run for a <laughs> <laughs> As your calf's cramping on the soccer field, I'm not running 50 yards right. for you to spring up when I get there. <laughs> yeah, my my team doc one time during a football game was funny. This kid, like kid kid rolling around on the ground, screaming bloody murder. Um, long story short, is patellar subluxation. So I get I get out there, I jogged briskly, and my team doc goes, "Yep." <laughs> he's like yeah if they're rolling around they're fine when it's when they're not rolling around is when you're like oh shit oh sorry <laughs> I, I agree with that 100 i love that yeah if, if you're moving you're most of the time not as bad as you think you are right now when they're laying they're unresponsive okay that uh, we gotta go yeah sorry i swore too enough oh not no that's fine <laughs> hey we're all adults you know yeah, yeah i didn't even notice this is like a <laughs> I just want to keep this G-rated. It's a know. casual conversation between athletic trainers and we're adults. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not sponsored by, you know, like any committee or nothing like that or, you know, product. So that's <laughs> it's all good. All right. Anything else we want to add or we think we hit everything and we're going to close up? I, I think good I'm on my end. I enjoyed the conversation. All right. Well, I appreciate Ed and Natasha spending more time to do another talk with AT Talks. And you're always welcome for future talks. And I enjoy talking to you too. And, you know, if we, we could probably sit down for an hour and talk all kinds of stuff and just go, <laughs> you know, it feels easy to talk to you. So uh, thank you for your time. And I hope you have a great week. You too. You too. Have a wonderful one. Mm -hmm.